Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So this week, Canada's Natural Resources Minister, Jonathan Wilkinson, so that uh, Canadian oil and gas producers could boost output, the equivalent of 300,000 barrels a day, by the end of this year. Uh, Wilkinson was speaking at an IEA, International Energy Agency, meeting in Paris. Now, that would be significant. The United States uh, was importing the equivalent of about four or 500,000 barrels a day of Russian energy products. So if Canada could increase the amount it ships to the United States by 300,000 barrels a day, that would replace not all, but a lot of that. At the same time, uh, the government's position seems to be that, that this is not going to be the expense of its climate goals. And I think if we're willing to be creative, it, it's not an either or. But I don't think this should be a short term fix. I, I do think there needs to be a longer term conversation about to what extent Canada can be an even bigger player when it comes to energy globally. But yes, there is certainly a need, I think, for Canada to step up in the short term. And I think a need as well for the United States to realize that there are a lot of solutions uh, to the current situation that lie north of the border. So to that end, there was a delegation of Canadian business leaders who were in Washington, D.C. earlier this week pressing that case that there are deep trade ties between Canada and the United States, and they can go even deeper if we need them to. And not just energy when it comes to agriculture, other products and commodities, uh, that Canada can uh, certainly step up if the Americans are are willing to ask. So joining us to talk about uh, what they said and what they heard in Washington, D.C. this week, and also maybe what policymakers in Ottawa need to hear. Very pleased to welcome to the program uh, here today, Goldie Hyder. He is president of the Business Council of Canada, led this delegation uh, to the American capital earlier this week. Goldie Hyder, great to have you with us here. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Good to be with you, Rob. All right. Well, tell us a bit more then about what the message was that, that you and other business leaders brought to Washington this week. Well, I think you said it in the intro yourself. Look north was the message. Uh, when it comes to economic security, when it comes to energy security, when it comes to food security, when it comes to security itself, There's no greater ally that the United States has than Canada. And uh, this was an opportunity for the delegation to uh, lean in and and, and reiterate that um, at a time like this, um, you know, friends support friends. Uh, There's a lot of downside effects here that is working its way through the supply chain that is really affecting the lives of everyday Canadians and everyday Americans and citizens around the world are being impacted by some of the consequences of, of both COVID, which we've been dealing with, but also now more recently, the implications of the war uh, itself and the and and the inflationary pressures that's causing on energy uh, and food in particular. And what sort of response did you get? Well, I mean, I think it's always good to, uh, to go to a place where if, the, if you're out of sight, you're out of mind, right? And we wanted to remind them that we're there. And anytime you can do that, it's it's actually something that seems odd to say. But if you don't remind them that we're here, they don't remember. 
And so it was a chance to remind them that Canada's there, Canada can be helpful. They were very appreciative uh, for what's possible. I think there was a somewhat of a, of a, of a recognition that perhaps some of the policies that uh, of, uh, you know, that the governments have had uh, to, that have limited the capacity for Canada to get resources to the United States um, uh, has been has been uh, perhaps in, in hindsight um, not properly executed. And I think they were fair in saying it's too bad you can't do that even in your own country to get products to market uh, to the uh, to the ports. So this is a serious moment where we need to think because it's not too late to make sure that we can leverage the strength of our natural resources and the capacity to both fuel the world and feed the world. At the same time, leverage that investment into climate transition. Uh, these are not mutually exclusive. They go hand in hand. Absolutely. Well, and I think you're right. I mean, I think it is a, a wake-up call in terms of how we need to think big picture and, and have a more strategic vision long term. In the short term, though, are, are we a little more constrained in what we can do? What, what yeah. can we do more near term uh, to, to provide the United States with yeah. more energy, more food, et cetera? That's that's the right question, Rob. And and look, there's two answers to that. One is um, we are limited by what we can do because of the lack of infrastructure uh, to get it there. You know, the pipes that we have uh, are full. Uh, the ports that we have have are reaching capacity. Um, there's only so much you can get to the port to get onto a ship to get it out, right? So you can't do anything about that in the short term, but let's learn from that because the demand for natural resource products, particularly in the energy sector, uh, is going to be a good 20, 30-year run. So it's not too late to still build LNG facilities and to still build uh, pipe and to expand our ports so we can responsibly fuel and feed the world because I was in a country for the last five days that is calling Saudi Arabia, Venezuela, and Iran for its oil. So if if I just can't imagine Canada falls fourth on that list. It's, there's something fundamentally wrong if that's the case. So infrastructure is part of the issue and still not too late to do it. In the short term, in the immediate here and now, which is really what the Americans are seized with, we know that our energy sector can get roughly two to 300,000 barrels into the United States uh, and get it there, you know, PDQ, uh, pretty darn quick, if you will. Mm -hmm. And um, the Americans will welcome that because they have just lost 600,000 barrels, or roughly five to 600,000 barrels a day coming in from Russia. We would be able to offset, you know, almost 50% of that. So would that mean through uh, existing capacity, existing pipelines, existing rail lines, et cetera? Uh, it'll be rail primarily, and yeah. uh, and uh, if there is some pipe capacity, it'll be utilized pretty quickly. From my understanding is most of the pipes are going full bore, uh, and then of course there's this is not like you know to get it out of the ground and to get it to, into your car. There's a long process there, and you've got to be able to refine it. We've got to get it down to the U.S. And again, it, it pains me to say that all of this stuff will be you know sold at a discounted price because we are we've landlocked ourselves to some extent and um in many cases the our oil will probably be used by americans while they turn around refine theirs and sell sell theirs into europe because um people say can we help europe the answer is not directly right you know, we had a near miss or what we hope is a near miss with the labor dispute at CP Rail. I mean, we talk about whether, mm -hmm. whether it's, you know, ag commodities, oil, et cetera. We're going to need that rail capacity. Uh, what's the message, though, to Ottawa? Obviously, in, in Washington, it's about the demand side. But in terms of our ability to supply or prioritizing, you know, to, to make this a priority right now, what, what message does, does Ottawa need to hear right now, do you think? Well, I think they heard it. Um, I can tell you firsthand that the Americans were not happy with the situation at Ambassador Bridge and the fact that they effectively had the call to get it shut down, uh, or I guess opened up, to put it yeah. the other way, get the protest shut down and get the bridge opened up. Uh, and they were quite concerned that the risk of the rail strike had it gotten away from, uh, from, uh, from the government and from, you know, the, the, the company and the union itself would have add, added extra inflationary pressure on food and energy costs. So there is a high degree of anxiety, and you have to be careful because, um, you know, in the world we live in today, reputations are formed pretty quickly, and they can be destroyed even faster. 
so if you get a reputation that you're a place that can't be reliable, that brand will stick with you for a while. We've got to make sure that nobody believes that that's the case, that they actually see Canada as a reliable source uh, and a reliable partner, a source for energy, a source for food. I mean, you look at the food thing, you know, if these ports in Ukraine get shut down, you could, you could lose half the world's wheat supply. You know, that's just one commodity there. We've got other issues there, potash, you know, canola, oats, barley, all kinds of things that make their way in the supply chain. Ultimately, who that hurts is your listener. Someone who's just going to the grocery store, they might be worried about what's not in the aisles. They should be worried about what's in the aisles because they're going to pay a lot more for it if we don't solve this problem. In terms, though, of the federal government facilitating this, I, I mean, you know, to, to make sure that there aren't additional obstacles, that that's clear. But is, is there more that, that governments of Canada can be doing uh, to try to facilitate this, to, to ensure that we're able to, to step up production or step up exports? Is there a role for government? Uh, look, I think, first of all, um, we elect governments to lead and provide leadership. And we need that leadership at a time like this. Uh, we needed it in the pandemic and the governments, you know, history will judge them how they did. But I think overall, we had a fairly strong response in Canada with the pandemic. We need to do the same thing in this war. We need to do the same thing in the battle against climate change. We need the leadership. But we also need the partnership. You know, I was in the in the in the in, in, in Washington on Monday as when, when I first got down there. The president spoke to our counterparts. And part of the thing he talked about is in the need for, um, you know, intellectual power of the private sector to work with the capacity of government to make life better for our citizens. And I couldn't agree more with that, that that's the formula that we need to do. So let's not, let's not fight each other. Let's not play politics with each other. Let's figure out a way to help the people that some people call voters, other people call, you know, uh, uh, you know, um, employees or customers. Really what we're talking about is your neighbor and, 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 you know, and just to help people uh, in our society. They're counting on us. So I do think government has more than just a role. They have the lead role. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.